Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted to continue to find ways to give back to individuals that want to get into this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'll have the privilege to sit down with top-ranking professionals in our industry. You'll hear their career path, what they look for in successful people, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Time certainly flies. It is crazy to think it's season four of 52 Weeks of Hustle already. With season four, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are current in the industry and three hustle hot seat questions. And three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. Experience in the business setting of sports is crucial no matter what role you have or what role you want in the future. Our next guest has spent the majority of his career in minor league baseball and has worked his way up into the general manager chair. I'm excited to have Tyler Parsons, general manager of the Durham Bulls in minor league baseball. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Travis. Uh, excited to chat with you. Tyler, very excited to have you and, and dive into your career. And you know, going back to the beginning, you know, from Michigan, you attend Central Michigan University, received both your bachelor's and master's in sports administration there. What do you think you want to do career-wise? You know, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm kind of one of the ones that, that is somewhat unique in the sense that I, I think I dialed it in really after my freshman year of what I wanted to do, and I'm, I'm still doing it. Um, so I originally was thinking about getting into sports journalism uh, when I was at Central Michigan through my freshman year, kind of dabbled into some classes and some exposure into that field. And you know, once I started learning more and more about the business side of sports, I was just, I was just hooked. And I said, this is what I want to do for, for the rest of my life. And I want to work in sports. I want to handle the business side. Um, like a lot of people, I wanted to be a general manager and kind of have all these long, you know, goals. And you know, being a general manager at the minor league level probably was never like the the forefront of those goals. But as I continued to get more and more exposure to it, I just kind of fell in love with that opportunity and that career path. So, uh, no, no really crazy deviation yeah. or, or like surprises or or U turns for me. Again, it was kind of like, hey you know, got my degree in sport management, got my master's in sports administration and hit the ground running. You go on to receive your master's right away. What's your advice to listeners on furthering their education? You know, it's a great question. And I think it's one that's become a little polarizing in, in the sports field. And when I was in college at CMU, it was, you know, kind of a, a prerequisite that you had to get a master's if you wanted to, to work and pursue collegiate athletics. Um, so really that, that was kind of the you know, the first one that kind of steered me that way. And then I was, I was going through my undergrad finishing up and I was going to career fairs and, you know, looking at opportunities and it was kind of measuring out of, Hey, do I, I want to start my career now or did I want to pursue my master's at this point? And then I just was able to kind of stumble into some really good opportunities for, you know, a GA and some career opportunities at Central Michigan to do that while I was getting my schooling um, and had some great mentors that kind of helped guide me to make those decisions. And, just decided to go straight into my master's. Uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, I probably the one thing I would change. I think I, I worked there, you know, from you know nine a.m. till five thirty, and then I went to class in the same building from like six thirty to like ten thirty. So I was like, nothing gets you ready for the sports world, like basically working the sports hours right off the bat when you're there. Get go. School. So uh, you know, learned a ton, had some great mentors, and I, I can't. I can't say enough good things about Central Michigan and, and the teachers and professors and mentors that I had there that, you know, helped steer me towards the career I have and, and really helped, you know, align my degree with, with these future opportunities in the sports world. 
No, absolutely. And you know, one of the, the next questions I was going to ask, and you, you somewhat answered it already, but after receiving your degree, you know, during that time, you you had several internships and grad assistantships and, and work experience. And so what's your advice to listeners on being able to really make the most of that early experience, whether that be internships or entry level roles that can help catapult them for the rest of their career? You know, for me, it was all about just building building out that resume and give you as much diverse experience as I possibly could. So when I went to go start applying for, you know, full-time roles that I had the background on my resume that kind of matched up with the energy I was going to bring to an interview. Um, you know, I wanted to get exposure in, in multiple different areas. Uh, you know, I worked at a, a local high school and did everything from scheduling to substitute teaching to coaching to whatever they needed me to do on any given basis. You know, I worked at a local community college there. And obviously, I worked at Central Michigan really on the ticket sales side. And that, that really was my first exposure into, hey, like, this is the revenue generation piece. And this can really be a rocket ship to, to accelerate your career um, and really just affect the business on a day in, day out basis in a way that you can't really in some other fields. You know, Tyler, for you, as you embark on your career, you, you first earn an opportunity there with Central Michigan as the ticket sales coordinator, and then the Forest City Owls as the director of ticket sales. And looking back to those early stops in your career, what's something you know now that you wish you would have known back then? Man, Travis, that is a great question. You know, I think for me, you know, it would have been just knowing all of the great opportunities that that lie outside of like your big four properties, right? Like your NHL, your NBA, NFL, you know, for me, minor league baseball and kind of these minor league sports was kind of, I don't want to say it was an afterthought, but it was, it was one that I didn't put enough career interest into early. Um, I ended up in there anyway, but there's just so many great opportunities and so many different places to explore pursuing a career in sports at these lower levels that I think just gets you so much exposure. And really, I think there's some markets too that you can get into and just, you know, you are, you are the only fish in the sea at different places like this where there's just not a lot of competition. It is a smaller market. So I think for me, you know, having a little bit more information on, on some of those opportunities when I, when I first graduated, um, I don't think I really even thought about minor league baseball until, you know, after I got my master's. Um, and there was a minor league team literally 15 minutes away from Central Michigan with the Great Lakes Loons that, you know, would offer some great opportunities. And we just weren't exposed enough to that, nor did I take the, the initiative to really go out and kind of, you know, drive that interest on my own. No, that's great advice there. And after, you know, in your career, after a stop with the Martinvilles, Mustangs, and the Johnson City Cardinals, you become the general manager of the Lansing Lugnuts. And during your time there, you helped usher in a new affiliation with the Oakland A's, a league promotion to the High A Central League. You were named the High A Central League's Executive of the Year. And so a lot of success during your time there. What do you feel like you and your team did to be so successful? Yeah, my, my time in Lansing to me has always been you know, really fascinating because I, I got to Lansing in 2018 as the general manager there. And we, you know, we had a soccer team, the USL League One team there for a year in 2019. And then really, you know, smack in the middle of that is the pandemic, right? And, you know, everyone kind of goes through that. And just a, a moment in time, everyone as a sports leader, really anyone in the sports period just kind of remembers. So really there was two different phases there. There was kind of the pre-pandemic and the post-pandemic. And, you know, Lansing to me and the things we were able to accomplish there, just a really, really storied franchise. And I think that the biggest thing we did in Lansing that, that I'm proud of was, you know, directly tying to that community, forging some really, really strong relationships with some of our, you know, you know, just, you know, initiatives and promotions we had going on, but activating that ballpark year round too. I mean, that was one that, you know, previously had kind of a lease structure that would just allow 
them to work just the you know the lug nuts baseball games and once we got access to that you know 365 days a year our motto was just always to try something and you know our whole motto was we'll try anything twice i think at some point in time if we can't make it work after two times we'll go back to the drawing board but we did all sorts of crazy events there and, and some hit and some miss but we were willing to do that because we knew the economic value it was to to drive people downtown, to have cool things to do there in Lansing, Michigan, and really, you know, walk the walk in addition to the talk the talk with our partners. That's awesome. And you know, after five years in Lansing and, and really in your comfort zone in the state of Michigan, about a year ago, you made the move to the Durham Bulls as the general manager. Why'd that make, why'd that move make sense for you? Yeah. You know, the, my wife would tell you, you know, Lansing to me was, Again, it was so special and so unique in the sense it was my hometown team, right? You know, you grow up, you go to school at Central Michigan. I grew up 15 minutes from Lansing. It was like when you're working in sports, the opportunity to come back home and be the general manager of your hometown team is is kind of the things that everyone dreams of. So, you know, I got married when I was there. I had my first daughter when I was in Lansing. And, you know, my wife and I were kind of talking about just what a career in sports is and what opportunities would ever, you know, pull me from Lansing. I kind of told her, I go, hey, there's – there's really only three teams that if they ever call, you know, why I'm here in Lansing without, I would pick the phone up on. And number one on my list was the Durham Bulls. And, you know, quite frankly, I didn't think that call was ever going to happen just because the Durham Bulls have had like two GMs in like the last 60 years. Like it's just a job that doesn't get open very often. So uh, that call came in and you know, obviously I'm just like, man, this is, this is the Durham Bulls, um, an organization that is so synonymous with minor league baseball and so prestigious you know, a AAA team in a market that's unbelievable. You know, I have got to pursue this opportunity and really have some more conversations. And it ended up just being the, the best fit possible and an amazing opportunity to come down here with uh, what I think is the most iconic franchise in all of minor league baseball. And we pride ourselves on being the 31st major league club. Again, we're, we're very, very fortunate to be in a great market. You know, you and I were kind of talking you know, off, off the interview here about the Carolina Hurricanes, and obviously they're right here in our market too. That we are in a pro market as a minor league baseball franchise. And, you know, really what's exciting about the Durham Bulls too is just capital broadcasting as our ownership group and just, you know, all the different avenues and growth and different projects we have going on with being a part of a large company structure. And uh, just incredibly fortunate and blessed to, to be here in Durham. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, Tyler, in your short time there, you know, again, such a storied franchise, but you guys and, and you and your team have immediately helped grow that franchise to continue to be one of the most successful minor league teams in the country. And what are you most proud of when it comes to your time with the Bulls thus far? Yeah, and this is a, it's another fun one. I love, I love answering people. If you go through my career, like, you know, a lot of the stops I had were, were kind of like rebuilding projects, you know, it was kind of coming in here and, and you know, growing this franchise and growing this organization, kind of getting into a place where it had never been before. You know, Durham Bulls were doing just fine without Tyler Parsons. I promise everyone that in the sense that, you know, this organization was was doing great. Obviously, Mike Burling is still here, who's led this team for, for 25 years. So it's like, you know, there weren't things that were really broken here in Durham. Is how can we how can we become more efficient? How we continue to grow something that's great and make it even better. Uh, and for us here, really, it was just you know, hitting the ground running on, on all these little fine details and, you know, just the little things that go into all of our day-to-day -day operations that allow us to be more efficient, allow us to to sell more and to affect the things that really, really matter here with our organization. And, and for us too, really, it was getting back to, to full force, right? I think 2023 for most minor league teams and most sports franchises was like, hey, this is this is the first full year when everything is back, you know, especially the group sales was kind of the last piece to come together. I think for, for most places as, 
all those pieces and dominoes kind of connected. We saw some really good growth across all boards of revenue, attendance, our food and beverage. Um, hiring became a lot better. Uh, we put a lot more focus on getting the right people here from our full-time staff to our game day staff. Uh, we saw a lot of that affect our overall operation. Um, we live and die by net promoter score here with the Durham Bulls. It's one of our big measuring sticks we have across all of our departments. We track at every home stand and go through that with our entire staff. And we're able to see those positive little details affect everything we did with our operation and see that in a measurable way to know we were doing things the right way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Tyler Parsons, general manager of the Durham Bulls with minor league baseball. And, and Tyler, let's get into three hot topics. You know, question one, we've talked a lot about your minor league baseball career experience. And what is one thing that minor league teams do well that you believe most professional org- organizations should try to implement? I think taking the creative process from start to finish uh, in, in, a, in a rapid fashion. Um, you know, I've worked at some other larger organizations in my time and, and so many really really creative ideas can get stuck in in different levels of organization and, and by the time you get to completion it's kind of lost its luster it's lost its timing you know i think in minor league baseball we've been able to to fast track a lot of stuff hey if you got a really cool idea let's talk about it and we could be executing this thing 24 hours later right um that ability to be really really proactive you know to act on hot trends to to really take that creative process again from start to finish in a rapid fashion. I think it's really benefited minor league sports. And, you know, sometimes I think we just overthink things, you know, it's just to the point of like, Hey, like we got to go ask this person, this and that person that now there's some level of security and and trust. You want to know, Hey, we're not making the wrong decision sometimes, but if you're looking at something that's not going to be terribly controversial, let's find a way to make it work instead of poking holes in it and trying to find ways where it won't work. Uh, I think minor league baseball, has built an entire business off of that. Uh, right. And that creativity and just being able to go again from zero to 100, you know, just like that and, and uh, rapidly react to things. You know, question two, Tyler, much of the understanding of the minor leagues, you're able to get experience doing a little bit of everything. What was it like for you and your team knowing that maybe selling tickets one day, helping the community event the next and being mascot on another day? Yeah. You know, I think just with our team here, it enables us to really to build a team culture easier, I would say. Again, that's no knock on other sports or other franchises or other organizations, but when you when you have an entire team here that's working together and literally working together on certain aspects, you know, you're pulling tarp, you're you're with everybody. You're you're on education today, you're rolling hot dogs, you're working with everybody. And 
you know, our entire organization gets exposure to different departments and is actually doing sometimes what other departments are doing. And they see that that duty and they see what goes into that and just kind of get a whole new level of respect uh, for what their peers are accomplishing with our organization. So I think that can be kind of easier to, to build that team atmosphere and that team cultures because there's there's very few silos in minor league baseball with our overall operation. You're, you're generally going to see everyone on, on a day when you walk in the office here. Um, in some places, yeah, you might walk in and take a sale. You might not see them for, for a couple of weeks. You have very little crossover between this department and that department. Um, you know, we see the players and coaches and staff. There's even more synergy there, too, with, you know, the Durham Bulls. And when you walk through our front office and you go through one door and you're in the batting cages here for the team. Uh, so there's a lot of cool chemistry and crossover there as well. So um, just probably an easier team building aspect of it uh, and how to build that overall culture of, everyone respecting and seeing what, what they're bringing to the individual part to our organization. Awesome. And Tyler, question three, you, you've really helped train, develop many great industry leaders all already on this podcast. You talked about the value of people and getting the right people. And you, know, as, as you and your role, you're consistently working with industry leaders on the C level as well. What's a key characteristic that really sticks out for the most successful people that you've come across? They're curious. You know, I think to me, that's always been the number one skill set that I've seen. You can you know, really tell, you know, really going back now through my career and they'll be able to pinpoint some of the people that, that I've worked alongside and where they're at in their careers now. And the ones that have really, really become talented and continue to elevate their careers were always asking questions. They always wanted to know more about the business. They wanted to know why this was happening. And they asked the right questions and they were just genuinely curious. You know, they were they wanted to know all the different pieces that went into the operation and how they can affect it. Uh, where they can chip in. So uh, that piece right there to me has always been invaluable and been kind of a key characteristic that you can kind of point to with with young professionals and people starting out in this industry to to kind of navigate where they're going to go in their future career. And the cool thing about that characteristic is it's not something that you've got to like really build. It's yeah. something that should be coming natural. You should always be curious about everything you do. And Tyler, what a great career and certainly exciting journey for you. As you think back to your entire career, what's been your best memory? My favorite memory, um, we were talking about this with some of my peers the other day, and, and uh, you know, my first couple of years when I was in Johnson City, uh, to me, will, will always be incredibly special, and it's just uh, a fascinating time when you get a chance to come in and take over an operation, and you just kind of see where it's at and where it can go. Um, you know, when I got to Johnson City, it was like, hey, we're, our office in this rickety old, you know, Parks and Rec building, and, and you know, we've got two or three full-time employees that have been really, really underperforming the previous, you know, gosh, 20 years or so. And there was a lot of talk of, is this team even going to continue? Like, you'd go talk to, you know, local people. Hey, did you know about the Johnson City Cardinal? And they'd be like, who? And they, mm -hmm. we're, like, we're like a mile away right now. How do you know yeah. how these people are? And, you know, being able to build that, get that community involvement and, and really, you know, get everyone to buy in what we were doing there it was really, really special. And it was the right place, right time that overall city and community really kind of took off too. But you, know, you just go back to you know that point when you're, you're younger, you're kind of a GM and you're just figuring things out. And obviously I look back now, I'm like, why the heck was I doing some of this stuff? <laughs> you, you just didn't know any better. Um, you know, I think I was, you know, 24, 25 years old as a GM. And again, you're trying to figure all this stuff out. You got, you know, opening day and there's a temporary fence around the stadium that the city's got a project they're working on the whole fence falls over. So you're out there at 131 rebuilding this and rebuilding everything. Like you're just involved with every facet of that operation. And then, 
Yeah, you know, it was just, again, it was just a, a special place in time and, and something that was really, really, you know, fun to be a part of. And, and you know, again, you show up and like help build that that work ethic that I think led me to where I'm at now. And you know, I remember starting off and my first day on the job and they're like, Hey, there's there's less than ten thousand dollars in the bank account. Y'all better be good at selling and go make some money to be to get some paycheck. Boost this so, up. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. So you just figured it all out and yeah, just you know, I think a lot of those journeys I learned just by getting thrown in the fire sometimes early in my career uh, really, really helped pay off because, you know, I was able to make mistakes and learn from them in a, in a, in a smaller pond, per se, where hey, it's not going to end up on the front page anywhere or anything like that. Uh, but it just really, truly taught me the, the embodiment of, of community as well. And, hey, if you can really get out there and get involved and get buy-in from that community, the sky's the limit. Tyler, a ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey to finish it off, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? I love it. Let's do it. If you had a boat, what would you name it? Who? That's a great question. I should have I should have an answer to this one. Billy, I grew up in Michigan, right? <laughs> um, I don't know now. That's a tough one. Is there Barry? I name it Barry. After my childhood hero, Barry Sanders. So that'd be very, very fast and agile in the water. So love it. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Cereal. Any specific type? Any. I think that's what makes cereal so great. You got so many different flavors and varieties you can kind of pick and choose from. Like that's just that's what makes cereal great. If you hosted a late night talk show, who would be your first guest? Jerry Jones. To close it out, Tyler, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Yeah, I think the first one I always tell people is get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, I think that, you know, so often in our careers and really in our personal lives, we can naturally choose and follow the path that is most comfortable to us. And, you know, that can be simply for me, you know, I think it was moving out of Michigan and, and going someplace, you know, not me, not me young professional right out of college, we're moving down to Florida City, North Carolina. And it threw me completely out of my comfort zone, but it just forced me to adapt. It forced me to network. It forced me to learn. And got me out of that comfort zone where, you know, I was just able to 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 figure things out um, and get myself exposed to things that I otherwise would not have. Second, I talked a little bit about this: get involved in your local community. I, mean, I think if you're going to work in sports, we are true embodiments of our community. And if you if you get out there, meet people in the community, get involved in young professional groups or you know civic clubs, um, you know, chamber of commerce meetings you know, local CDBs, mixers, anything. Get out there and meet these community leaders, people that are a part of your community. You can get a really good pulse of, of what you need to be successful and how you continue to drive. And because really all we are in sports, we're just giant community gathering places for everybody. So and I think the third one for me really would be checking entitlement. You know, I think for uh, so many people, they see certain duties or things that, that come with them. They just think, well, I, I shouldn't have to do that. I don't want to do that. Anytime you can chip in, help your team, there's always somebody watching. Uh, and no matter where you're at, uh, those are all pieces that are going to help your overall organization. Kind of check that entitlement at the door. You're, you're not above any duty. You know, even for us as a senior leaders here, like, hey, you're going to see us picking up trash. We'll clean up stuff. We'll mop all that kind of stuff because we know it can be needed and it helps our overall division. Tyler, thank you so much. What a great career. Always a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Travis. Thank you. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.